Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence at the intersection of sport, transness, sci-fi, fantasy, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. Happy holidays, everyone. And whatever holiday you celebrate, I hope it was special, and I hope it was wonderful. And we have a few more days left until we can close the book on 2021 and head into 2022. And part of that is, of course, our end of year awards. And right now, the Outsports end of year awards, as we go to press, we've given out, we've given out three so far. We gave out female hero to Raven Saunders, the male hero, hockey player Luke Prokop, and of course, our annual Asshole of the Year Award, which was given to very much a cast of thousands. Mainly a lot of people who've decided that misgendering is the thing they want to do. Well, if you misgender transgender people, especially transgender people in sports, in my book, you're an asshole. Hashtag just saying. But even beyond that award, there's been a lot of things that have been written and said, the most recent by in certain quarters and in certain articles is equating a certain swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania to East German drug cheats. As a transgender woman who is also an athlete, I find that very much insulting and I find that rather repugnant that people would once again say, cheat, cheat, cheater, cheater, cheater. Okay, last time for all the people claim not to know. If you wanna call Leah Thomas a cheater or any trans woman in sports a cheater, here's what you have to do. One, you gotta find whatever rule book they go by, by whatever governing body governs their sport. That's number one. And number two, you gotta find me a rule. And it can't just be one you make up or pull out of your backside. It has to be an exact quote from that rule book. If you cannot do that, I suggest that you take a Wembley Stadium full of seats. And oh, if you come to my social media, any of my social media, just think about Dikembe Mutombo, because that will happen to you. So say we all. Now that I got that onto my chest, along to our special guest for this year-end show. Been a lot in sport this year. There's been a lot of good for all parts of our LGBTQ family in sport. We have seen a year where an NFL player came out in the open, and not only that, played darn well this season. We've seen, in fact, in every major men's professional sport, someone's come out. Be it a starter, bench warmer, prospect, didn't matter. Someone's moved forward and it's gonna make it easier for the next person. In college sports, we're seeing an explosion. And of course, there was Tokyo. Again, Tokyo. It was beautiful. 185 out athletes, 56 medal winners. Not too shabby. And my might add a world record holder, and I might add, the first trans woman to be in an individual event, and the first trans non-binary competitor to win a medal. And not only did they win a medal, they won a gold medal. We saw Alicia Clarendon change the conversation. We saw 
so many. Come forward, come out, be proud, and kick butt on that field and make their statement off of it. And one of those was on September 10th on a soundstage turned MMA ring in Miami, Florida. But it wasn't so much that Alana McLaughlin fought that night. It was the way that she went into the ring that night. If you didn't see it, I'll paint the picture for you. She came out strong, resolute, jaw firmly set, and she had and she had her arms outstretched and held the colors of transgender pride, that azure salmon cream, and it flowed behind her like a wake. And also there that night when she took on Francis Céline Provost was the legend herself, Fallon Fox, who flew in for the match. Fallon was there and saw a piece of history, a piece of history that she helped to make. Enough of me babbling about it. I'm going to let them talk about it. Joining us in the transporter room, I'm proud to present on our final show for 2021. Lock transporter coordinates for Portland, Oregon and Los Angeles, California at Lana McLaughlin Fallen Fox. Welcome to the transporter room. Energize. Hello, both of you. Hello. How are you doing today? It's great to be on the program. It's great having you both here. And I'm just going to start right up front. Alana, what are you, what are you up to? How's your holiday been? Uh, the holidays are going. Um, I'm just training a bit and that's pretty much it. I don't have much else going on right now. Just uh, trying to stay in the gym when I can. Of course, we've got a few inches of snow on the ground, right? And folks in Portland don't really seem to know how to drive when there's snow on the ground, but that's uh, another story. Does anybody know how to drive when there's snow on the ground? I mean... Oh, yeah, the, everybody in the Midwest. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's true. Being a Midwesterner, I never forgot how it is to drive with snow on the ground. Of course, living in the Northeast, people grow up in snow your whole lives and they forget how. And, of course, Fallon, you may not know much about that being out in L.A. now where, you know, it never rains in Southern California, let alone snows. How has your rain. holiday been? <laughs> My holiday has been pretty decent. I was able to uh, visit a couple friends' house for uh, Christmas and actually was able to have holiday uh, dinner with Sid Ziegler. So that was pretty cool. Wait a minute. Okay, so I want to know, what's holiday dinner like with Sid? What's it like oh. with Sid? <laughs> Sid is a great host. He, like, always makes the greatest meals for his parties. So, I mean, he's a great host. And, I mean, I just always come over there for the food, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just thinking. It's like, and the company. The, see, I'm just saying, hey, Sid, when are you going to invite me? I know that I know the spread was good. No, I know there was probably, like, you know, some, some nice stuff that most of it, that most common people can't pronounce. There's probably a really good wine or two. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because after all, Sid, you know, Sid Stan Stanford guy, Stanford guy. They always do a little bit. They always do a little bit better. Yeah. But on to going back to September. First, of all, Alana, what has it been like? What has life been like for you since then? Because we saw what happened on the tenth. What happened the next day and the next month? 
What's going on since then for you? Uh, well, I've blocked a few thousand people on social media. Um, <laughs> that's no exaggeration at all. Um, but otherwise, it's actually been pretty quiet. Um, all of the vitriol that I get is pretty much exclusively online. I've had one or two people recognize me in person. Um, but if anybody else has, they've been quiet about it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been pretty quiet. Well, one thing I've noticed, though, you, you've made a few of the interview rounds here, Alan's here and there. I've, I heard the Southpaw interview, which was a very deep, engrossing interview. I mean, from, in a sense, how have you managed to keep yourself grounded? Because they went deep into some very deep things. I remember when we, when I, when you, we, we were on the transporter room back in July, we went deep, but... Southpaw went deep, deep. How have you managed to keep yourself grounded even through all that? Because it that picked out a lot of wounds you may not have wanted open. Honestly, a big part of my staying grounded is being able to train. Um, just kind of staying in my body. And that's, that's really about the best tool that I have. Uh, you know, I see a therapist and I train. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much those are the coping strategies that I have. Um, of course, this time of year, my other coping strategy is to eat everything I come into contact with. So uh, try not to <laughs> use that one too much. No, um, but, but no. No, it's it's it can be difficult. Uh, you know, some of it's hard stuff, and um, I don't know. It's uh, I I do whatever I can. Now, one thing I want to find out is when's the next fight? Is I mean, is there a plan for? some more action in 2022 kind of where, what's the status on that? Well, that is a good question. Um, that's something I've actually been anxious about and I get this little, like this, this anxious feeling that, you know, nobody's ever going to give me another fight, but I I'm in talks for a bare knuckle match, but, uh, everybody's away for the holidays. So I'm still waiting on a contract. And uh, that's really about the only serious offer I've gotten so far. And that offer actually came in within a couple of days of the fight happening. Um, but as far as anything else, it's been, I don't know, it's mostly been uh, right-wing trans girls that are trying to prove some kind of point by being one of the good ones. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I heard one of them, especially who gave you a nickname. Oh, did she? Yeah, one of them gave you a nick. One of them gave you a nickname. Another one challenged you. One of them runs with Proud Boys and doesn't train at all. One of them did like a tough man fight where she was turning her back to her opponent and running away most of the time. And like every video that she does, trying to call me out, she's like smoking heavily. <laughs> and then, there's there's one in Florida right now who she's really young and she transitioned young. And uh, I don't know, she, she says she's just trying to get my attention and generate um, interest in a fight, but she's being really disrespectful and frankly, transphobic. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't understand these chicks, to be honest. Well, I don't understand, especially, wait a minute, I, if I heard you right, how can you be a trans woman, but a member of the Proud Boys? How does that work? I mean, I don't. I don't think she's a member. I think she's just kind of attached herself to them and runs around holding up signs, pretending to be persecuted for it. 
Um, but she wouldn't be the first. I've seen a few trans woman, women uh, running around with Proud Boys. Like there was one up here in Portland that, uh, you know, relatively conventionally attractive. So she got a lot of media attention and uh, she was like dating one of them at some point. But like, I don't know, that was before there were uh, exposés about the Proud Boys up here selling cocaine to each other and having falling outs and fighting all the time. So now somehow, why didn't that surprise me? Now, Fallen, set for you since since September 10th. I mean, talk about just the growth, not only not only in what you've seen in Alana through that fight and since, but also in a sense um, how this experience has affected you. Because now people are talking about Fallen Fox again in a good way for a change. Instead of in the way like that one night when I was on that show. And we're going to get to that a little bit later on. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been very exciting. And um, I'm very proud of Alana for what she's done in MMA so far. Um, it, she's taking over my, my spot, I guess. <laughs> you know, um, it's good to pass on, you know, this legacy her and good to see her fight um i think that that what she's done has put a positive light on transgender people in mma for people who who are into that type of thing and yeah now one thing going back to that night and really going back to that weekend alana what was it like for you knowing that when you hit that ring and you're set to go into that fight, Fallon was going to be there. Well, it was kind of a two-edged sword because it's, um, <clears throat> on one hand, I was really, really happy to have her there supporting me. But on the other hand, I was like, wow, if I screw up, she's going to see it firsthand. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like, I can't, really? I can't embarrass Fallon. I got I to gotta keep my shit together, right? Trust me, you wouldn't have embarrassed me. I don't think it was your first fight. It wouldn't have embarrassed me at all if you had stumbled. But you came you through. Did stumble a couple times. There. Well, I can tell you. I think I was sitting right. I was sitting in the very seat I'm sitting in right now. You know, it was eleven at night, just watching it, and I was like nervous. I was nervous, but then you came out. Tell me about the entrance how did you do what made you decide to do that well i mean it's pretty common for fighters to walk out with a flag it's just usually a national flag you know and um this was one of those things where you know i'm sure lots of folks by now are familiar with my politics i don't uh i don't support our sort of a foreign policy. I am very critical of uh, United States um, sort of just politics in general. Um, so I didn't really want to walk out holding an American flag, you know, um, and I didn't have to carry a flag at all, but no, I decided I wanted to carry that trans flag. And that was, that was what I wanted to do to establish my MMA career. I wanted to kind of plant that flag firmly in the ground and start swinging um so between the flag and the music like i think i i decided as a joke years ago uh when i wasn't even thinking about 
um, when I wasn't seriously thinking about MMA. <clears throat> I ever did it I was going to come out to that song so uh and it just it, it kind of fits it fit too well so I just went in went in and did it um but yeah I don't know I was nervous uh I was gosh it, it was a scramble there at the end um you know somebody told me to come out without my mouthpiece and then when I got out there the the ref's like where's your mouthpiece <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a little bit of a scramble there at the end you know I think I was the only person that came out with my shoes on um yeah it was whirlwind let me tell you sitting from my direction when i saw that it was a mix of hell yeah and tears because it was and then of course there's the t-shirt yeah and full disclosure during during um during trans visibility week and at a speech that I gave for Trans Day of Remembrance, I will admit I I used your ring entrance. I'll pay royalties on it. Well, you ain't gonna pay them to me. <laughs> the no, but the thing is though, I was over I was overwhelmed seeing that. Because especially with all the things that have gone on and all the things that were happening with all the bills and what we were seeing and what we had seen in the landscape, a week and a half before that match, I had sat through hearings in Texas where it was ugly and it was, there were people just spewing transphobic nonsense in earshot of young trans kids, their parents. And to see that as an act of pride and defiance at the same time, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to see it. I'm just following what was it like for you? Because I remember you were our analyst for the fight right afterwards. And you said yeah. you wished you could have done that when you made yeah. your debut all those years ago. It was an amazing. It was amazing to see. Yeah, I didn't have a trans flag. Um, I actually, I did. I think I did come out with a trans flag of one of my trans flag one of my fights. Um, the last fight that I had, uh, where I broke someone's skull, <laughs> apparently. But yeah, um, it was very inspiring to see, and I think um, it was very inspiring for a lot of, especially trans kids coming up to see the flag presented and to see Alana coming out. Very emotional time um, for everyone who's, who's, who's interested in the subject, yeah. Fallon, why do you think that urban legend just won't die? Which urban legend? There's the a lot of them. I mean, the urban legend, you know, the urban legend about you, like, I'm not sure you, I've heard one, you, cra you, you completely destroyed someone's skull another one you cracked it in a vice like a walnut yeah um, fallen fox beats up fallen fox like like ripped out someone else's cerebral corn cortex when <laughs> when will these urban <laughs> legends ever die because i was on a show on fox soul television uh about like a few weeks ago where literally a person talked about Fallen Fox cracked someone's skull. And yes, I admit, I got fed up at that point. We can talk about where, that there aren't many 
uh, trans people dominating. However, there is, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Fallon Fox. She, uh, she, she broke the skull of another fight. Fake news. Fake news. Stop. Fake? Stop. Dead stop. Fake news. Oh, First I off, was, well, I Fallon Fox, Fallon Fox did not break this person's skull. She did, it was a hairline fracture of an orbital bone that happens thousand times a year in MMA. In fact, in Outsports, we did an article on that. In fact, I'll send you the link to it because Fallon Fox like has been everybody's boogeyman and hasn't fought a fight in seven let's, years. Let's Give it a rest on Fallon Fox. Finish, let's Seriously. let Keisha finish her thought, Carly. Go ahead, Keisha. Um, I was looking at, I was researching this before we got on, and there are tons of articles out there. I, so if that's not true, then so you're saying that there are, and when women and when biological women fight each other, hairline fractures and things like that, that's common? In, it's in MMA? M MMA, it's not a pillow fight. Doesn't, but I'm asking you. It's not a tennis a match, it's MMA. You're getting the same, you're, you're, you are susceptible to hairline fractures when you are, when, this is common amongst women, uh, biological women fighting biological women. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it's a combat sport. When will this stuff ever die? You I think? don't know. Maybe, maybe never. Who knows? It all depends on uh, what the haters do, I suppose. I mean, they have this this idea that I like I crushed someone's skull with my bare hands and it was a it was a knee to the face, which is which is you know your knee is a pretty hard area like one of the hardest areas and like when you put all of your strength into it and the motion, you can crack that you can uh, fracture that thin part of the the orbital bone there you know which is very easy and very common to do it happens in training a lot. I've said a couple times, you know, myself, yeah, I <laughs> fractured someone's skull, but, you know, not meaning that I've broken someone's skull. So, yeah. I think that, I think that's going to go around as long as it's politically expedient, for transos, honestly, because it sounds scary. It is just fear mongering, right? I mean, an orbital fracture is one of the most common injuries in MMA and boxing. Um, it's not life-threatening. It's, it doesn't require some great deal of strength, you know, like, I mean, honestly, orbital floor fractures happen sometimes just getting punched in the eye where the overpressure in your eye will crack the bone underneath. Um, this is like such a common injury and, uh, but it's always misrepresented here because, oh yeah, sure. It's technically part of the skull. Uh, so we'll say she broke her skull because it sounds like she just like caved it in, you know, didn't, you know, you ever see the movie Predator where he yeah. like head and rips the spine out? No, that, that was basically oh, yeah. yeah, people say that I almost killed her. They're like, you almost killed her. Like, <laughs> And then they have to show photos so of another fighter from a different fight that you were not involved in at all and claim that you did it because it was... Who was that fighter's name? Was it Kay? Oh, I don't even remember. Kay Hansen or something like that, which is someone I never even thought. But you see, that's life, the thing. So. No, but, but you see, that's the thing. Because um, I remember, Alana, in our first interview, you said, I expect them to come after me. And in some ways they did. I do want to talk about the fact that your clapback clap game was way strong. Especially on a certain Mr. Jake Shields. Everybody's clapback game seemed to be way stronger than him. Uh, I wonder, how much of that, how much fallen influence was in that clapback? 
Because there was a certain fallen in that somewhere. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I, I usually try to uh, try not to engage too much with, uh, with the transphobes online because there are so many of them. And if you get sucked into it, you'll be at it forever. Um, but I don't know. Just because Jake Shields is pretty prominent. Um, and he was, I think it was for some, like somebody tagged me in the post. So I saw it. And I just kind of responded on a whim. Um, but like most of the others, like uh, like Sean O'Malley was talking shit. Um, who else? It, it, like th there were a few people that had things to say, but they didn't actually tag me in anything. So I didn't I didn't really pay it any attention. But I think the Jake Shields when someone actually tagged me in the thread. Um, so I, I came in and and uh, said a few things. Well, to uh, quote. To quote Fallon, you were really giving him the business. <laughs> well, I mean, he started it. He, he started it. <laughs> At the same time, what was it like for you to not only see that thread and see the support? Because there was a, no, literally over that next day, while you and Fallon were having ice cream, Twitter was overflowing with a lot of support. I mean, to be fair, anybody that has the opportunity to clown on Jake Shields should absolutely take it. <laughs> I, I think it's really, really awesome the amount of support that Alana has gotten uh, compared to me. It seems like, you know, over the years, like trans athletes have become a little bit more accepted. And it seems like, you know, Alana's getting like, you know, a lot of positivity, whereas when I came out, I was competing. I got a lot less. I don't know if it's because it might have something to do with the perception that people have maybe that, oh, Fallon Fox didn't tell anyone, you know, that she was trans when she competed, which I did. I told the commissions and everything like that. But I don't know. I just think it's like really good, the progression and acceptance that's happening. So. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake, I could not have done what I did without Fallon leading the way. Like, it was a harder, it was harder when Fallon did it. Uh, <clears throat> and honestly, I think a lot of the support that I'm getting is coming from younger kids, which, you know, like, if, uh, if you look at, if you look at, like, surveys, they're showing that, like, millennials and Gen Z are a lot more queer, a lot more gender variant than previous generations. And I think that's a big part of it too. Like being trans has become a little more normalized. I mean, granted, there's still massive pushback, but there are, you know, it's, we're, we're making some strides. Quickly, I want to look back a little bit more at the fight. I remember that first round when, um, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> well, I remember taking those shots. <laughs> I remember, and I, and for myself, again, it felt like I was taking those shots with you. Was there ever a point, and I want both of you to ring in on this, was there ever a point when you were thinking, oh boy, I'm in trouble? I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely when I, when, was. Go ahead. When she got rocked and almost fell down by Celine. I was over in the corner, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
You know, wow, I said you the know. same thing when that when that first good shot landed. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Funny, I did too. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But it was good to see the comeback in the in the second round. So yeah. No, but that's another thing for Alana. Take us through that fight. When was the point when you realized, okay, I've got to rally if I'm going to be in this thing? I mean, it was pretty immediate, to be honest. Um, the, the thing about fighting Celine is I don't think a lot of people realize how hard it is to overcome a five-inch reach disadvantage. <laughs> um, and if I'd been smart, I would have taken it to the ground sooner. But uh, I will say during my training camp, I most of the people I was sparring with were short wrestlers. So my instinct was, um, you know, if it went to the ground, I was popping back up as soon as I could. And that was actually the wrong thing to do against Celine. So like in the first round there, um, we ended up clinched up and I kind of threw her into the fence and she went for a takedown and I sprawled on her and I should have tried to take her back then, but instead I just hit her in the ribs a couple of times and then stood up. And, you know, it's sure hindsight's 2020 looking back on it, but, um, yeah, I could have ended the fight then if I, you know, if I'd been training with tall strikers instead of short wrestlers, um, if she had been training with me, I would have, yeah. I would have taught her. Yeah. her. <laughs> well, Fallon, you did train her for a minute, for more than a minute. And there was a moment and you admitted to her, said, there's a moment when I realized, no, this kid's for real. Oh yeah, I trained with her when she came to uh, Chicago. I mean, and uh, yeah, she kicked me in the leg a few times, put me in the doctor's office. <laughs> Atlanta, but, is that right? But you know, you know, you know. But but seriously, she showed some skill, and that's how I knew that she was going to be like you know a good competitor. So. Yeah, I had a lot of faith in her going in from the beginning. Second round. Alana, how did you get past that reach? Because that those mortars were coming. Well, um, I was trying to figure that out myself, honestly. Uh, the thing is, I was trying to, <clears throat> in sparring most of the time, I tend to use my jab a lot, like probably overuse my jab and sometimes be guilty of not following it up. But with Celine, my jab just couldn't reach her. Like <clears throat> I threw a jab and I would come up four or five inches short and she's a landing, you know, every time. Um, so that second round, pretty much by that point, I had actually invested a lot of work to the body there. Um, and I don't think it's obvious how many times I hit her to the body because almost every time I hit her to the body, she was hitting me in the face and that's what people notice. But she was definitely running out of gas there in round two. Um, <clears throat> in fact, the, the first solid shot I landed on her was a right hook to the body, and it actually started to crumple her. But going back to your earlier question about, like, when did I know I was in trouble? It was that, that very first, like, hard punch that I landed on her because I saw her start to crumble, and she winced. <clears throat> and if you go back and watch the fight, it's just a split second. But she starts to wince. And crumble forward and grab her side. And then just her face just went completely blank. And she stood back up like the fucking Terminator. <laughs> oh, oh shit, I'm in trouble now. And that was uh, like, that was that moment where you said, I just hit this, I just hit this person with everything I got. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they just came right back up and it was like <laughs> yeah no she's tough as nails and overcoming that reach uh was i mean that that was the story of the fight um so i i landed my overhand right a lot um and in the second round i think uh my head was starting to clear, but like when she rocked me in the first round, honestly, the rest of the first round was just trying to stay conscious and keep my head about me. Um, I think my thoughts of defense, like covering up, kind of went out the window because I was like, oh, I better finish her as fast as I can or she's going to knock me out. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't thinking super clearly in uh, in round one there, but um, round two. Um, I just kept catching her with that overhand right. I'd uh, go to the body and then up to the head. And then I gave a little knee tap to kind of confuse her. Uh, I was thinking about there's there's actually a combination we were working in training where you'd go for a knee tap to kind of feint the takedown and then come up with an uppercut. Um, but she didn't she didn't really quite bite on that. So then I just went and took her down and and that was the story of the fight. And then right th and then of course there was the end game. You got her on the canvas where you wanted her. And then from there, it was BJJ all day. <clears throat> yeah. Um, although I'm actually more confident in my striking than in my BJJ. So <clears throat> if you'd told me that I was going to finish with a submission, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, I figured it would be kind of a more of a ground and pound kind of finish. But um, I don't know. The opportunity was there and I took it. What was going through your head when they were raising your hand? The Basically, the background shot that I have right now. And I'm just looking at that look on your face. What was going on inside as they were raising your hand? Oh, gosh. I think at that point, it was like, well, it's happened. I'm in for it now. Uh, you know, because I, I knew what the reaction was going to be uh, in the media. It just it is what it is. Um, but also I think there was a certain amount of being thankful that the fight was over because I was definitely, uh, I, I, like you said, I was eating some shots, uh, Selene ate some shots too. And, you know, I, I rocked her pretty bad myself. Um, but she was, I mean, her one, two, like just her, her reach, her range, like she was just landing consistently over and over. Uh, it, it was rough. It was a rough time. Nobody really enjoys getting punched in the face, I don't think. Have you well, had a chance to talk to Celine since the fight? Yeah. Y'all had a yeah. moment after the fight. Yeah, we've, we've talked a couple times. Uh, we actually saw each other at breakfast the next day. Uh, we chatted a little bit then. We've talked once or twice on uh, Instagram. Nothing too in-depth, you know, just checking in. But, um, but yeah, she's, she's an amazing competitor. I was honored to share the cage with her. And, um, yeah, it was a great fight. Since then, even with all the, even with a lot of the things that have that have gone on since, uh, for you, if you had to start over and do it again, would you? Yeah, yeah, I would. And by the way, what flavor ice cream did you two have the next day? Those are some big. Those are some big scoops right there. Uh, for those who don't nice know, girls. the next day, the next day, Fallon Fugs and Alana McLaughlin were out in Miami the day after the fight celebrating having ice cream. 
I got to know what flavor that was because those scoops were humongous. Those were huge. Gosh, did we even write it down? I don't know. I think I had like an orange flavored triple scoop waffle cone is what I had. It was very delicious. Melted really, really, really fast, but oh, yeah. really good. <laughs> it was just running. No, mine wasn't. Uh, mine was a triple scoop waffle cone too, but I don't remember what the flavor was. I think it was like, I don't know. I, I, I really can't remember. Maybe I was still rattled. Who knows? So we got to make it a tradition after each of Alana's fights to get her an ice cream cone. Oh, I would love that. Mm -hmm. so. And we're hearing that red alert noise, and that means we got to take a break, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. What the impact has been since the fight. What's next for both Alon McLaughlin and for Fallen Fox. And a special moment of the arts here at the Transporter Room by yours truly. That and more to come. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay Webb. I'm joined by Alan McLaughlin and the legend, Fallen Fox. And for our end of year show here for 2021, and we're going to get more into an interview with them both in just a second. But before I do, I want to give a little moment of the arts for the Transporter Room Nation right now, a poem by yours truly, in honor of our guest. A child grows among the palm meadows, unsure of their fit, unsure of their place, tucked in the Bible Belt, Gamecocks, Tigers, show no fear while growing up queer. Molten fire flowing through the school halls, tells of a truth through a poker game of youth, Gender police like a sheriff with no relief, but tough and resilient. Try her and feel that you'll fight her law and her law won. Fights in the schoolyard became hand to hand for the last chance to claim a manhood, a man's life, a man's struggle, molten fire hardened against the Taliban. Queer palmetto child off to Afghanistan, not just a soldier, now an operator, but six years and change later and you find out who you really are. Left all that molten longing and wanting not to be here back in Kandahar. Peel the layers back, peel the layers back, and ditch that straight and narrow. Find your stride and why birth give birth to Lady Farrell. And along the way, through trauma, through frustration, the jigsaw of existence, you see a cage and fighters in proud resistance. What did the fox say? What did the fox do? Fallen foxes kicking butt. I want to do that too. A few years later, the legend knew when you step into the ring and you put work in, Combate Global needed a fighter. Falman got someone you can put a finger on, got a protege hard as hell, bouncing around Portland, Oregon. Times passed, deal made, Miami, Miami palm trees in the shade, no. Sweating the gym, time passing, 2021 at last, then time to prove all the doubters wrong. September 10th, let's get it on. Azure salmon cream flowing like a dream. Athena Alana will not hide. You saw the t-shirt in transgenocide. 
Buckle up, let's ride. Oh, bonjour, mademoiselle. Je m'appelle Chéline. I've come from France to snatch your dream. The French woman was tactical, practical. The reach was locked on and the tone was too good. The chin was willing, but the legs were buckling. The girl is getting rocked. The girl is getting knocked. How did she survive? How did she survive? How did she survive being asked the why? Why you carry yourself like that? Why you wear that? Why you move like that? Why can't you conform? Because she's a survivor. Survivors of storms. Second rounds her swarm. Fought the barrage she wants to take down. If we can get ground bound, I'll break the fight down. Slipped the punches, got her foothold. Landed on the canvas, BBJ. Time to roll. Alana has landed. And then you heard a million trans hearts hope. Rear naked choke. Tap out. That's the show, folks. Raise that arm high, raise that head high, show the sly smile with a legend on your side. Queer child from the palm meadows, you no longer have to hide. Along with a million transgender hearts all in raucous cheer, I'm proud to say Alana McLaughlin Outsports 2021 Transgender Athlete Advocate of the Year. Let's ride. That was lovely. Oh my god. <laughs> can, I get, can I get a copy of that? Yes, you can get a copy of that. Please, please. Uh, oh, by the way, you actually are Outsports 2021 Transgender Athlete Advocate of the Year. Congratulations. Your thoughts? Thank you. Um, <laughs> all I had to do was get in a fist fight for it. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Chosen by our editorial board, including yours truly. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. And I can just say, like I said, for me, the biggest thing about you was that moment. It was that moment again, the, the ring entrance, because that that was something a lot of people needed to see. That that photo of you just walking down that walking down the gantry towards the ring. Again, it put me in tears. It it put me in tears and also big ups to Dark Light Clothing for the shirts. Cause yes, I got one because I saw that as like I need one. I, I must have the I must have that. I must have it. And that's one thing you talked about, just the number of people who came up to you, who like probably DM'd you, came on your social media and just said, hey, I saw what you did. Because in some ways, when you are going through your own process and working through your own transition, trying to figure so much out, you saw what Fallon did. What's it like for you to know that now you're holding on that torch and you're helping light other people's way? I mean, it. There's, um, you know, I feel a lot of pressure. Uh, I, I want to be a good representative for the trans community. Um, but it's also like, it's, it feels good to know that I'm filling a space uh, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm representing something that I needed when I was a kid and didn't have. Um, and it, it makes me, 
makes me really happy to know that there are going to be kids out there that can look back and say, oh, you know, like, I won't be the first. I've seen this happen before. You know, like Fallon got in there and did it. I've gone in there and done it. Um, and and hopefully it just makes it a little bit easier um, for, you know, trans youth to be proud of who they are and pursue whatever interests interest that they want, you know. Sorry, I'm getting a little teary-eyed. <laughs> Makes two of us. Because I got teary-eyed <laughs> writing that. And that's been in my head for like about a month. Fallon, also from, from your side of it, in many ways, again, it, in many ways, it goes back to we're not here in a lot of ways without you. And Alana has said that at length. Yeah, I'm glad to see the progression of transgender sports um, over the years since I've competed. So, like, when I, when I was competing, there weren't that many transgender athletes. Actually, there were no professional transgender athletes that are out there competing. And um, since I competed, like, a lot of transgender athletes have come out and competed. Um, so it's just been a progression and I, 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 I think that maybe my participation had something to do with that. One thing, follow and, up to that. What's your feelings on just a lot of the ugliness of Kyle, especially in this last month and a half or so ever since ever, ever a lot of this ugliness in the especially last month and a half or so where people were calling people cheaters I mean, yet another trans athlete does well, a trans woman does well, and all of a sudden, it's this old rule. Trans women can play, but you better not win. What's your thoughts from both of you of just, it, it's come around again. It seems like it's on Tucker Carlson every night right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I think that's, that's appalling. And um, I think it has, has to do with the fact that we're gaining ground and we're doing well. And the opposition doesn't like to see that. So, I mean, it's kind of a good sign <laughs> in a way that they're, they're coming after us, like, you know, as hard as they are. And that they're, you know, so mad about it because we're really getting on their nerves. And I think that's, that's a good position to be in. Always, you know, uh, get on the nerves of the haters who are wrong. So... Yeah, I mean, when you say haters, like that's that's literal. Like you're, you're talking about people whose political platform is finding someone that they can hate and unite behind. Um, you know, when they lost the gay marriage fight, we were the next obvious choice for them to focus their ire on. And I think that's part of why Fallon got so much shit when she did, is because it was right around the time of that gay marriage fight. You know, like once once uh, it became the law of the land that gay marriage was legal, then not only were trans athletes like the next big boogeyman, but like that was the perfect timing. That's when Fallon was there and that's why they went after her so hard. So, I mean, I'm inclined to agree. The fact that um, the fact that we are being targeted so hard, the fact that they're coming after us like this, it's because we're winning, frankly. Alana, where do you find your trans joy? Because we talk about trans trauma a lot. Where do you find your trans joy? Um, you know, I, this is always kind of a difficult question for me, you know, because I feel like in a lot of ways, I don't, I still don't get to quite live the life that I want to. Um, because you look at things like 
you know, if, if you followed national media for the past couple of years, like basically since the Trump election, Portland has been kind of this hotbed of conflict, right? Um, so, you know, I've, I've been attacked in the streets here. Um, it's, it's one Wait of those- Am I hearing that right? I, yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody stepped to you in the streets. Well, I mean, it was before I was known for being a professional fighter. You know? <laughs> but, but no, I mean, that, that's the thing, though, is like it's, <clears throat> you know, in the environment that, it, that we're in right now and with some of the things that have happened, especially like up here in Portland, like it, it's pretty common for there to be protests where, you know, these right wing, you know, fascist adjacent people are showing up with guns and body armor uh, and the police are protecting them. Um, or they're holding people down for the police to arrest. Like it, it's, there's really very little separation here. You know, there was, um, there was an open Nazi on the police force and he was the head of ICE up until like 2019, I think. Um, and, and that's just the reality here. So, so when I leave the house, I feel like, you know, I can't, I can't just relax, you know, I can't, you know, wear a nice dress and some heels and just go out on the town. I feel like I need to be ready to be in a fight all the time. So, you know, I'll go out and I'm, I'm wearing jeans and a hoodie and boots. Mm. And it's, that's just kind of my day to day. So when it comes to finding my joy, you know, I think it's, it's in those small little, you know, intimate moments with my friends and community members where I actually get to relax, you know, um, usually over at somebody else's house. Um, or, or even at home having friends over, like entertaining guests, but you know, the pandemic's put a bit of a damper on that. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's still a work in progress. You know, I, I find joy where I can. Nice heels in a dress. Okay. I'll bite. What, what kind of dress? What kind of heels? I'm looking for a fashion tip here. I'll admit to that. Oh, you're, you came to the wrong girl. Like, <laughs> I'm consistently like a decade out of date, I'm sure. Um, but no, I mean, I, I like, you know, A-line skater kind of dresses, uh, gives, gives, you know, nice lines. I, I like the flair of the skirt, you know. I haven't exactly had a budget for, for really nice clothes. It's been kind of, you know, my heels are from Payless. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong. Hey, wait a minute. Do not sleep Payless heels. Yeah. Don't sleep yeah. those. Those are some good... I own more than a few pairs myself. Those are some good heels. But I'm just wondering because following you and Alana, y'all have hung out before. Okay, so I want to know when y'all both are when y'all both hitting that town, what you got? <laughs> well, we're hitting the town. Have, I'm trying to get some fashion tips here. Have we ever gone out and dressed up together? Not really. When we were no, in Chicago, it's always it like was jeans there was, and yeah, there was snow on the ground in Chicago. If you're taking fashion tips from me, you're you're gonna look like a biker. It's you know, <laughs> Martin's jeans and a leather jacket. Like, hey, that hey, that might be my new groove for 2022. That's no, see, that's a fashion tip right there. I mean, we should all get out of our comfort zone whenever possible. But that's one thing to talk about again for the for the both of you. Kind of going back to in a sense that joy. Um, if you both yeah. had, if you both had an opportunity to sit down, because right now, and you probably heard some of the stories, there is a swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania right now who has taken, who's taking a furious beating, in the court of social media and right wing public opinion, namely a Thomas. 
if you could sit her, if you could get an audience right here and she was sitting down with the both of you, what would you tell her in a, in a sense to kind of like help her kind of buck up and move forward and continue to compete through well, you're, this ugliness that you're seeing right yeah. now? We were talking a, mo a moment ago about trans joy, right? Mm -hmm. And I personally get my trans joy from uh, knowing that I'm affecting positive change for transgender people, like, you know, around the world, like I'm helping influence that. And, and that just gives me joy. It gives me happiness. And with all the haters and all the hatred that comes after me and everything that I have to go through, like I still hold on to that. So if I were to ever sit down with her, I would try and tell her to try and focus on that positive change and, and the inspiration that she's giving to other people. Because in the end, I mean, I think right now and um, the state of the state of things that are happening, I think that's that's the best thing to do. Fallon, as you were coming up, where did it get hard for you? Because on one hand, when I read about you, when I see you, you look like you come across like, no, I'm the impervious badass. You cannot hurt me. <laughs> But I'll bet, but I'd be willing to bet behind closed doors, it hurts. Where did, oh, yeah. when did it get, when did it, did it ever back up on you? When did it get hard? When did it get hard? I mean, yeah. are you talking about like, back when you were trans back, in general? No, or back when being... you were fighting, especially. Yeah. Well, it got hard from the beginning, from the moment when I first came out uh, to Sports Illustrated and, um, people were coming after me. I mean, it's been, it's given me a lot of, it's, it's affected my mental health, you know, affected me by, you know, given by uh, contributing to my depression. You know, I've had suicidal thoughts before and, you know, but like I said, but like I said, I have to like not focus on that and try and focus and focus on the positive that that's that's coming out of all of this so alana what would you tell that kid or any kid who's going through this because it's not going to stop even after this swim season happens there's going to be the next one there's going to be another one and it's going to just start again and again when it comes to social media i would recommend judicious use of the block button um and really i would just kind of I would say that, you know, to any young trans athletes, whether it's Leah Thomas or anyone else, um, you're under no obligation to engage with these people. Like just because they get in your face and try to tell you who you are and what you should do, like that you don't have to listen to them. Like you, you do not have to listen to a word they say. Um, they're sure they're entitled to their opinion, but you have to come at it with the understanding that, you know, they're part of a concerted propaganda campaign against us. Um, I mean, there, there was an example. Um, there was a guy on my Twitter came in and made some, uh, some comment. I can't even remember exactly what it was, but I took a screen cap of it because I went to report the comment and 
he had said the exact same thing on dozens of other statuses. He just copied and pasted this, this comment. And I'm not sure, maybe it was a bot. Uh, maybe there was an actual person behind it. But the thing is, it's like pretty obvious that it's, it's not just a one-off opinion. It is part of a propaganda campaign to demonize trans people. Um, and I would just, I think when it comes to younger trans folks that are in, engaging with this kind of, um, this kind of discourse online about trans rights, especially in the athletic realm, like you don't have to listen to this pe these people. And honestly, half the time, there's not a real person there. It's just a cut and paste response. Uh, and it's, it's warfare. It's psychological warfare. They're trying to drive us out of public spaces. And the best way to engage with that is often to just not. Um, so I think that would be my biggest piece of advice. You but know, just same keep, keep your head down and keep driving forward. But at the same time, there are real people as well. well. There are. I mean, the Clay Travises and the Tucker Carlson's of the world. And there are some people who claim to be voices that are supportive and inclusive, yet when the rubber really meets the road, it's no different than the voices that are calling for exclusion. For example, would, if Tucker Carlson called for either of you to go on the show, would you do it? I would only go on there with Alana by my side. And then we could wreck house together. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I cannot really think of a benefit to actually going on a show <laughs> because they're going to edit it and chop it up however they can to try to make you look bad. But the thing is, yeah, that's true. If, if I knew it was going to be a live show with no delay, I, I, I might go on there and give them a piece of my mind. I might, uh, you know, just just have a list and just like go down the list. I'll do I'll do what all the Fox News hosts do and just talk over them. And eventually, they'll cut to commercial, like in, in mid sentence, to not let me finish. Like that's how that goes. Um, but yeah, I, I just that's the thing. It, it, like I said, it's a concerted propaganda campaign, including talking heads like Tucker Carlson. Um, they have an agenda, and the agenda is to demonize us. Do you ever think once in a while, why, why, what? What does my transition have to do with you or anybody? Do you ever find yourself once in a while thinking, why are they doing, why are they putting all this energy into this? Uh, power. Uh, it's, it's all about power. And that's right out of the fascist playbook. You, you know, you, to, to strengthen your position politically as a fascist, you have to find an enemy who is simultaneously so powerful as to be dangerous, but so weak as to be, you know, uh, just easily destroyed, you know, like that, that is play by play. Like that's what fascists do. You know, if you can't find an enemy without, you look for one within. Um, and, and that's where we're at. That's what's wild. Cause I'm, I have this image of like, I have this image of thousands of trans women with Nintendo switches beating Tucker Carlson over the head with them. It's like, it's, I, I mean, I know it intellectually. I even know it just viscerally, but still it's, I had, I listened to some of the things that are said, like this latest article about like, all of a sudden we're drug cheats and we got three Three trans women on this on the stage right here. What's it like when you see things like that? That all of a sudden you're a cheater. 
or you're yeah. akin to cheating. That word. Just gut visceral reaction when you hear that word and it's being pointed at you. Yeah. It's enraging. Yeah, and I, and I, I think I've read some of the recent articles and that you might be referencing to, and I don't think I want to mention or give breath to the person who wrote it or the institution behind them. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there, especially TERFs, especially, you know, um, Women who don't who don't think that other women, such as trans women, should compete in sports with other women, and I think it's gross and it's it's infuriating. Yeah. Quick note: What's your thoughts on the IOC's policy changes that they that they have discussed that will be implemented starting March next year? I'm cynical. <laughs> Like I, I, the fact that they're leaving it up to each individual sport. I mean, <clears throat> I, I feel like I've seen a parallel to this when it comes to U.S. politics. And like, well, we'll leave it up to the states, you know, instead of making a a policy that is inclusive overall. Well, we're we're going to leave it up to the individual sports. You know, I I feel like there's a lot of room there for them to uh, to to do some shady things. You know, I I agree with that. So you say they, they're leaving it up to individual sports to make their own uh, policies on transgender people in sports. But, like, yeah, that means that anyone, any of these sports can do their own thing and do it negatively or in a bad way. And I'm thinking about MMA and the Boston Commission that already has policies in place for transgender people. Like, you know, perhaps that could affect that. I don't know. A quick note about Combate Global. What did it mean to not only have them want to sign on to this fight, but also, in a sense, get a little get all into it? Because it seems like they were all in in regards to no, not only we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. How important yeah, um, was that to have that support from them to make this was, happen? It was incredibly important. Um, I mean, they, they had my back the whole time and I really felt supported. Um, and the fact that, you know, considering who it was, you know, Campbell, Campbell McLaren and Micah Frommelitz, like these are like OGs from the UFC, like back even, you know, way before the Zuffa era, this was like the original, like the first shows, you know, think like Dan Severn, Tank Abbott kind of days, you know, like way back then. Um, so having, having them in my corner, so to speak, like having them backing me up, like it was incredibly important. Like these were the original pioneers in the sport. Um, so yeah, it was, it was amazing to be, to be honest. And Fallon, they got in touch with you and they said, who you got? Oh yeah. 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 So I was in contact with Campbell McLaren, uh, the owner of, was he the CEO of? CEO, yeah. CEO of Combate Global, and um, we were in we were in talks. He was asking me if I knew of any transgender athletes out there who were MMA fighters, and you know, I was like, "Hey, I got one who's been training for a while," and you know, kind of sent them Alana's information and got her into a fight. So, yeah. Now, 
coming into the stretch run here. So as you know, this show was started by Geeks and Nerds. So we got to get some nerd geek up in here. So I'm just wondering, in this downtime, while you're while you're in between the training, especially with the holidays, any what anything cool you've been benching, any cool games you've been playing, anything you've been reading, what's been good away from the daily grind? Well, while we're talking about nerd stuff, I've been reading some sci-fi. Uh, it's been years since I actually like just sat down and read for pleasure. Um, but yeah, I, I picked up a couple of sci-fi novels last week, week before, and like went through them like a day each. Um, it was Old Man's War and Armor, like two different, they're, they're pretty like classical sci-fi. Um, and then uh, as far as gaming, I finally uh, picked up Hollow Knight and I'm not really very good at video games most of the time. Um, and Hollow Knight is a relatively difficult one, but um, I've been enjoying it. Really cute art style, uh, surprisingly dark game. <laughs> hey, Fawn, how about you? I've been playing a couple of video games lately. Um, Among Us. <laughs> I'm addicted to that game. Uh, as far as sci-fi stuff, I mean, I watched The Matrix that just came out, The Matrix 4. I haven't been reading uh, much material. But um, and documentaries on scientific things such as or scientific theories such as the simulation theory, because I think that we're living in a simulation. Now, one thing when oh, so you think we're actually in the matrix? It's a possibility. Now, is it worth seeing? Is should it worth I, seeing? Should I put? Should I? Should I go to the the multiplex down the street? And check this I think out. it's worth saying. I think it's worth saying, especially for a trans person. Because I hear now that's like, uh, I'll admit to, I have watched, I recently binged like a lot, like four of the Matrix films just to see like, okay, where, okay, where were the eggs in it? The first time I saw the Matrix was long before, that was back when transition wasn't even a twinkle in the eye yet. It oh, was where it was the eggs? It was when, yeah, it was in the subconscious. It was like subconscious, but I was trying to bury it. And then now seeing it again, it's like going through. It's like, oh, aha, aha, aha. But otherwise, I've been been. Uh, I just got done with the second season of The Witcher, so I was all in. Yeah, I'm all. I am all in. I can't wait for season three. I got the uh, I got the Alana McLaughlin book club recommendation. We're gonna put those at the bottom here. And Fallen Fox is given that. I don't know how many stars would you give it. The Matrix. How many how stars? Many stars? Yeah. Can I give it a one through ten? Go ahead. I give it like a seven. All right, it's a seven. No, do hey, okay, it's a seven. That means it's worth buying a ticket. It's worth worth buying a ticket. Yeah. No, Lana, you're trying to get it right now. You're trying to get things together for the next fight. Fallen. First off, we've heard that you you may be a, what's this about a comeback? No, well we'll see. I tried to get back in the gym to try and like you know see what I could do. I got back in the gym and started training, but um, during my training, like my meniscus, like was feeling kind of weak. So it's like I don't know um, how far I can take that. I don't know if it's permanent or 
you know, if it's going to be a while before I can get my strength back in my knees because of my operations that I've had on my knees. So we'll find out here in a couple months or so what, what, what I can do and what, what I can't do. Well, Fallon, I would suggest something safe. Do triathlons. Triathlons? <laughs> triathlons for my knees? Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, you can aqua bike. <laughs> now, Alana, for you. We know you got a deal cooking, but what's the dream fight? What's the one fight that if you could get that fight, you'd be like, no, I would, I'd sign yesterday. I guess realistically, I don't have any particular target. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like the position that I'm in, I'm going to have to take whatever fights I can get. Um, because let's face it, like whatever progress we've made, you know, there's, when it comes to MMA, the UFC kind of has a monopoly mm. and, and I have no doubt that Dana White would never sign me because of his politics and because of his fan base's politics. Um, and yeah, as, as far as like realistic fights, I don't think there's anyone in the UFC that I would, that I would get to fight, uh, honestly. Now, maybe another promotion like Bellator or something, or maybe one of the big names in Combate, honestly. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind throwing down with Loba Acosta. Uh, in combate she's she's kind of one of the one of the faces of the organization um but then when it comes to like just really putting my finger in somebody's eye like just uh being being annoying about it like dream fights might be something like all, all these people that were like oh you should you should have to fight brock lesnar you should have to fight and they're like naming all these heavyweights I'll say the same thing that I said on mine. You know, I will fight any man that is willing to drop to my weight and go on estrogen for six months or more, you know, and then you can tell <laughs> it doesn't affect your performance. Well, you know, well, and you know, a lot of dudes ain't going to go for that. Oh, they're not. They're Cause not. that's cause you know, there's all the guys that say, well, Zuby didn't know Zuby didn't do it, but to all, but no, you know, the dude in Britain, the rapper guy who said, I brought who went to the gym, set up his little oh. TikTok, and said, "I'm going to break all these women's records." And it's like, no, you didn't, because you didn't go through the process. Yeah, that that dude. And and in fact, I'll just call dudes out. If you really think it's that easy, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you, do it. I say go because I get this one. Chris Moser recently got this on his Twitter. Somebody actually said this. I was like, go for it, buddy. Go for it. I mean, get a get an end get an endocrinologist, talk to your doctor, get all set up, and then you're gonna find out real quick estrogen is not a performance enhancing substance. You're gonna find that you know out really quick. Yeah, that whole <laughs> juxtaposition is so frigging dumb. Or they where they say, Hey, you know, um a man, you know, can lift more than a woman and but they, but they keep saying that, and transgender women aren't men. It really yeah. gets on my nerves, on my last goddamn nerves. It gets. Well, I mean, that, that's the they thing. They, they just they they won't acknowledge the realities of it. They they like to yell things like facts don't care about your feelings, but they won't actually apply that to themselves. They don't want to listen to the experts. They don't want to listen to the doctors. They don't want to listen to endocrinologists. They don't want to listen to anybody that actually understands the physical, biological realities of sex, the fact that it's not binary, the fact that estrogen, like 
hormones control everything in your body, uh, from breathing to your heartbeat to how you grow. And they like to say, well, you know, like you've had 30 years of testosterone in your body. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, these are the same people that like to like to clown on, you know, pre-USADA era athletes in the UFC and be like, oh, look, he deflated. You know, like that guy lost 50 pounds. You know, that guy dropped three weight classes uh, as soon as there was testing. And it's like, but yeah, it's almost like they understand what testosterone does to athletic performance. And it's almost like they understand what its deprivation will do to athletic performance. You know, they they're they're still doing the thing that, that fascist playbook where it's like. You know, I think uh, Fallon sent me a clip where Joe Rogan finally actually said something about me just in passing, but it's, it's that same. And he was talking about her too. It's this idea that we're so dangerous that we can't share the ring with another woman, but also we're so bad at MMA that, you know, we're obviously not going to go anywhere. You know, like it's, oh, it's, it's, you know, um, it's better to just ignore them because they'll go away because they're not that good. You know, I've I think also yeah. said, oh, she's not that good. And it's, it's well, what is it? Which is it? Are, are yeah. we so dangerous? I've noticed that. Rushing everyone or what? Every damn athlete, transgender athlete that's come out and competed ever. Like they always say that they're no good. They always say that we're untalented. And it's just a matter of our physique and, and, and everything that gets us over. So, like, that means that every transgender person is bad at sports. <laughs> We're all bad at every sports. Single time. Also too every single good, time. Good. Well, my favorite is just tra- two things. One, transgender women can compete, but you're not allowed to win. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. You don't win. And then number two, people talk about where's the trans men, but nobody wants to sign Patricio Manuel to a fight. Nobody, <laughs> want <laughs> nobody wants, nobody wants, to, nobody wants a piece of pe- peanut Manuel though. If, if you, you if you're that smoke. bad, nobody wants that smoke. Sign the man to a fight. Exactly. It's been almost two years. Sign the man to a fight. Somebody. You know, see that. I mean, that is the thing you can't win. I mean, that's the thing that gets me. It's like, if if Leah Thomas was finishing first off, when Leah Leah Thomas does well at a dual meet, a lot of people don't understand how sports works. At a dual meet, blowouts happen when you only have two schools there. It it happens one, and number two, if she was finishing eighth, is this a story? Right. Well, it's like the track and field athletes. The the with the was it up in Connecticut? Yeah. Like, where yeah, no, no, dude. like, oh, these two trans girls completely destroyed the field, but also like the same girl that's like trying to sue to keep them from competing, beat them 13 times before. It's yeah, like, pretty much. She won once. It's time for her to get get out of here. But, you know, like, oh, I, trust I, me, I, 13 I, times. Alana, you know, I saw three where, years of that. I, yeah, saw, and, I saw that for three years. And they'll sit here and say that we're taking opportunities from cis women that are trying to go into college athletics. As I recall, those trans girls didn't get scholarships. The cis girls did. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here going, I will be lucky to get a fight a year. Uh, you know, Fallon only got what four or five fights. Fallon got six in a career. Uh, six. Six yeah. over. Six over what? A no, I got period? eight. I got eight fights. Three in amateur and. Right. Six uh, pro 
that's see that? nine. nine. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, that's the yeah. thing. And also, to all those people who worry about scholarships, you know what? If you're worried about the cost of a college education, there's a cure for that. It's called systemic change. Yeah. I mean, if, you're, if, if your daughter's jump shot is the determiner of whether she's going to school or not, you need to look at what's wrong in our society that's led to that. Everybody always talks about transgender women taking away college opportunities for cisgender women, but what about transgender women? Well, that's the thing. We're not the priority. They don't care. No, What's not. the thing? What, what, what about us? Like, we're women, too. So it's like they're trying to remove us from, from that framework of being a woman. Yeah. Well, to me, they're that's just trying to, they're trying to remove people in general. Because I've said it constantly that this isn't just about sports. This is about erasure. Sports is just a way through the door. And once they, And the people who have put this together, they've said it. Once we get once we get that T out of the way, we're going for the rest of those letters. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. coming for all of you because we want to roll this all back. Yep. But in the meantime, something I want to see roll forward is Alana's career. So somebody, hey Mike Campbell, let's get some let's get something going. Let's get another fight. Let's get another fight. Let's get let's get on on Paramount Plus again. Let's get it on again. Hey, let's get a fight because. I want to see it. I know a lot of other people want to see it. And Alana can't wait to get back in there. Alana McLaughlin, congratulations, number one, on being Outsports 2021 Transgender Athlete Advocate of the Year. Fallon Fox, you you are award winner emeritus as far as I'm concerned. It's oh, always great. To, it, always great to see you both. I'm going to beam you back down. Keep doing what you do and keep speaking out because those of us out here who care and care about you both and look up to you both, it means a lot. Thank you both. And thank thank you for having us. And thank all of you for being a part of the transporter room throughout this entire year. It's been a long slog this year. This show saw change. We had a very special person head on to Greener Pastures, the co-founder of this podcast, Don Ennis, moved on as the managing editor of Outsports earlier in the year and, in a sense, bequeathed me this podcast. And I wouldn't have got through it without all of you out there and your support. Because like I said, everything I do... I do for all of you, the people who support us. And if there's something you like to see or something you want to say about what we're doing this year or what we plan to do next year, because we're going to keep it moving in the 22, please, by all means, leave a message on our Twitter page, leave it on our Facebook page, and leave it at our new Instagram presence, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Like I said, everything I do, I do for you, the people who support us. Well, that's it for 2021 we're looking for more in 2022 that's the transporter room for this week and this year i'm carly chardonnay webb live long and prosper and steady as she goes i'll catch you all next year